this is the time of year when we go before God and we see the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. The strongest fight of your darkest night means that God is about to bring you victory in the name of Jesus. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and this is the season of Hanukkah. And because this is the season of Hanukkah, I want to share with you some very powerful, prophetic insights that I believe are going to change your life so that we as God's people can understand the season that we are in. First of all, we need to understand that Hanukkah is a feast that truly does teach us that light triumphs over the darkness and not all light is the same. The light of Hanukkah is the kind of light that was created on the first day of creation. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light. Out of God's mouth, out of God's word came light. So every miracle that is produced from the light of God's word helps us understand the miraculous miracles that God performs for his people during Hanukkah. One of the most, very most important spiritual secrets about Hanukkah is the victory and the menorah, the menorah that represents a victory that is absolutely impossible with men, but possible with God. When the Seleucid Greeks under Antiochus Epiphanes IV invaded the Holy Land, he thought himself to be like God. Epiphanes, meaning God manifest, broke into the Holy Land and demanded that not only would he take over the Holy Land, but he demanded that all Jews renounce their faith in Almighty God. This is spiritually significant because why? The menorah, which is the symbol of Hanukkah victory, it is the symbol of the strongest, most wicked empire being taken over by God's faithful people, believing and trusting in him, God giving the strength to repel the enemy, God giving the strength to uh, Yehuda, who is also known as Yehuda, Yehuda Maccabee from the Hashmonean family, and Matatiahu, his father, who was a priest. They refused to renounce the God of Israel. They began a holy insurgence, and God gave them the strength to overcome. By the time they broke through the enemy over a few years, they were able to take back the temple in Jerusalem out of the hands of wickedness and rededicate it back to God. This is the season that we need to take back the territory. This is the season that God wants to bring breakthrough in every one of our lives. It is the season, beloved people, of the miraculous multiplication of the oil. When they took back the temple, the first day they cleansed the temple. And when they cleansed the temple, they found a small bottle of oil that was kosher, that was uh, written with the high priest's signature on it but they had to make themselves a makeshift menorah because the Greeks had so desecrated the temple of God. There was no way to light the menorah 
only with one day, one day of oil. And it took eight days for the oil to be made. But God performed a miracle. He brought back his presence into the temple. A miraculous manifestation of the oil happened on Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the feast of not only the victory that God is going to give you from your strongest fight in your darkest night, but it is also the feast of the miraculous multiplication of oil. Right now, you need a miracle. You need the anointing. And God, on that day, miraculously multiplied the oil to eight days. And eight in the text is the symbol of not of this world. You see, the oil really is not of this world. The oil is a supernatural symbol of the anointing. And the anointing doesn't come from this world. It doesn't come from us. It comes from God. So beloved, if you're in a dark season and during the month of Kislev, it is the shortest days and the longest nights. Some of you have been in a dark, dark night. You say, God, when's it going to end? When is it going to end? But God has given you a Hanukkah scripture. And that scripture is found in, in Isaiah chapter 60, in verses 18 to 20. The Bible says, violence shall no more be heard in your land, nor wasting and destruction. May the prophecy of violence being heard no more in your land or wasting in destruction truly become a prophecy for now. We know this was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, prophesying the future and violence and destruction. The word for violence is the word Hamas. That very scripture, Hamas and destruction, shall no more be heard in your land or wasting and destruction. But the Lord shall be an everlasting light unto thee that you will not need the day, you will not need the light for the light of your God is risen upon you and the days of your mourning shall be ended. God is promising during the time when the light of Hanukkah arises in us. Remember, it's the light from God's word. It's the light that was created on the first day of creation. It's the light that shines in the darkness. It's the light that overcomes the darkness. Remember, on that first day of creation, God separated the light from the darkness. I don't care what you're going through. God's going to turn it around. And if you put your trust in him, he will turn your grief into greatness for the glory of God. He will put purpose behind your painful experience. And some of us say, why the violence in the earth now? Violence like we've never seen before. Hamas is the word in Hebrew for violence. And we see these scriptures everywhere, all throughout the scripture. And one of the signs of the last days is the Bible tells us in Luke's gospel, in the 17th chapter, the Bible tells us as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. You know, we have a lot of conjecture about that, but I would like to as we close this segment of the program, 
actually incorporate the prophecy that Jesus gave as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, found in Luke chapter 17, verse 26. I want to show you exactly what that means. Let's go for a moment to the Noah narrative. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And he said that the evil, that the imagination of man was evil continually before him. In verse 8, Noah found grace in the sight of God. Verse 9, and these are the generations of Noah. The Bible gives us those generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now watch this. Verse 11, and the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with Hamas. Looking at verse 13, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me and the earth is filled with Hamas throughout the earth. Behold, the Bible says, the end of all flesh came. Beloved, what does it mean when it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man? This word Hamas has many multiple meanings and uses in scripture. In, in the book of Habakkuk, in the first chapter and in the ninth verse, the Bible gives a prophecy about Hamas coming up in the land and taking captives. Do you realize that the word for captive is the same word for hostage? that the Bible is so exacting, the Bible is so articulate, that even if we look just for a moment, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says, they shall all come up for violence or for Hamas. Their faces shall shut up as the east wind and they shall gather their captivity or hostages as the sand. Did you hear that, saints? The Bible is telling us the very prophecy we are seeing right here in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk the prophet says, they shall come up for violence. Violence being the word for Hamas. They shall come up as Hamas and they shall gather their hostages as the sand. Beloved saints, that's exactly what we see happening today. So we, as God's people, need to position ourselves. And during this time of Hanukkah, we need to be ready. We need to be positioned for spiritual warfare in a place of having our lamps always burning with the oil. Remember, the Bible tells us that when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? And the parable that describes the coming of the Son of Man is the parable of the ten virgins. Five had their, oils, their lamps filled with oil, but the other five ran out of oil. And they wanted to borrow oil from those that had the oil.
This is the time you cannot borrow the anointing. This is the time you must buy the oil for yourself. You must pay the price. We must pay the price. We must be willing to do what God is asking us to do at this hour and come into that great victory that is ours during this time of Hanukkah. I want us to pray. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we go to the service in Anaheim, we ask you now to pour out your anointing, pour out the prophecy, pour out the word of knowledge, pour out discerning of spirits. Let your people come up in this day to know what's happening in the earth that we might be in position for the end times. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. We're going to go briefly to the service in Anaheim. Then I'm going to come back and pray with you. Amen and amen. Give God the praise. Hallelujah. Tonight, beloved saints, as we begin our message tonight, I'm going to be speaking to you. Hallelujah. About something that God put on my heart this morning that was so heavy before the Lord. It was so heavy on my heart concerning an anointing that God is going to be giving here tonight to all of us. And that, my dear friends, is how to operate in as if nothing is missing anointing. Now, some of you may say, what does that mean? As if nothing is missing. But I'm about to tell you, no matter what the devil has taken from you, no matter where you are, whatever you feel you are missing, the God that we serve is able to give you exactly what you have, what it seems like has been taken from you, to not be taken from you, even though you may not see it, you will still operate in a nothing is missing anointing, and somebody should give God the praise. So tonight as we begin, I want to address the fact of loss because there are many today in this very room that have gone through different levels of loss. You have gone through testings and trials and many of us ask the question, what do we do in a time of loss? There are some people in this room tonight that feel absolutely hopeless because you feel like what you were believing God for fell through. Some of you have been believing God for a long time and you haven't seen what you've been believing God for. You haven't seen the fruit of your prayers. But beloved, I want to tell you tonight that we serve a God who is able to give us even where we're at, even if you can't see it, you can still operate in an as if nothing happened anointing upon you. Hallelujah. I want you all to say this with me. Tonight, I'm going to operate in a new anointing. An anointing as if nothing is missing. It doesn't matter what the enemy tried to take because the God that I serve is able to make it happen for me the way he did throughout the scriptures. 
All right, now some of you may say, what is Dr. Corral talking about? First of all, I want you to know that the Bible is the only book ever written that is filled with supernatural solutions to every problem. Somebody ought to say, the Bible is filled with supernatural solutions. And tonight I'm about to receive one. Come on, tonight I'm about to receive one. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah. It is possible for you, beloved, to have success even when at before you were operating at 100%. And maybe you perceive your losses at 80% and you're now operating at 20%. Did you know that it is possible to still operate as if nothing is missing and I'm going to prove that to you through the word of God tonight some of us have say I've gone through so many losses I don't know how to handle it some of us are in a state of panic and we're asking God why but tonight I'm going to show you from the word of God that God is able even if you're operating at a 20% level that God is able to make it be like nothing is missing are you here in me tonight hallelujah tonight we're going to be looking at the book of second chronicles and when we look at second chronicles there are secrets in reading the word of god and especially in what i call reading the script what does it mean when we read the script when we read the word of god we're actually reading about our own lives I want you to understand when you are reading biblical history, you are not reading history. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew language, there is no such thing as history in the Bible, even though the Bible does have history. Because it's not about history. It's about prophetic retrospect. And that is different. That means that God uses history to teach us. God uses history in prophetic retrospect. So one of the most spiritually significant tools that God uses to move us into the miraculous is to show us what he did then so we will know he can do it again. Are you with me? Somebody ought to say what God did then he'll do again. Now, beloved saints, Tonight, I want you to see that our text is going to be taken from one of the men of God in Scripture by the name of Azza. Azza was the king of Judah. But the beginning of the narrative on the life of Azza does not begin with Azza. It actually begins with the Davidic dynasty because he is a descendant of King David. And it is extremely important that we understand if we are going to participate tonight, which God is going to give to everyone of us in this place and all of those viewing on the networks th this night, he is going to be able to impart to us a nothing is missing anointing. And the way that God is going to do it is the same way that he did it of old. I want you to understand that the Davidic dynasty is based on a concept in scripture called in the merit of. Can you say that with me? In the merit of. Now there's a lot of conjecture that we might have in the Western world about in the merit of. 
But in the merit of is a concept, and it is a concept called zahut. Can you say that with me, zahut? Zahut has to do with promises and inheritance that has been laid up for us. And in particular, promises and inheritance was laid up for the, for the descendants of King David beginning with Solomon. And I want to tell you what that was. So let's look first of all, when you know that the scripture is referring to in the merit of, you are going to see the words for David's sake. Okay, for David, my servant's sake. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11, and in looking in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 32, we are going to see a very powerful scripture. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11, but let's begin with verse 31 for context. The Bible says, in the last line of verse 31, Behold, I will rend the kingdom of David out of the hand of Solomon and will give you ten tribes. But he will have one tribe, which is Benjamin, for my servant David's sake and for the city which I have chosen, Jerusalem's sake out of all the tribes of Israel. Now, beloved, we've taken this out of context, and this seems like to be the worst news. All right, we've taken this out of context. This is a prophetic word that God is giving to a man by the name of Jeroboam who started out walking with God but ended up going astray. And I want you to know what happened to Jeroboam. Jeroboam was told by the Lord because of Solomon's sin, because Solomon did not die in the power of God and in the presence of God. Because of Solomon's sin and because of his son Rehoboam's sin, the 12 tribes of Israel are now going to go, the primary portion, 10 tribes, are going to go into the hands of someone who is not David's descendant, and that is Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Can you imagine losing 10 tribes from your kingdom? Somebody say that's a huge loss. Okay, 10 tribes being taken out of the kingdom is not like five tribes. It's not half. 10 tribes is not like a quarter. 10 tribes actually is 80%. It leaves, it leaves David's son, David's descendant, with Judah, that's one, and another tribe, one tribe left, and that's Benjamin. And the only reason why Benjamin is left, somebody might say, well, why Benjamin? Why not, you know, Asher? Or why not uh, Manasseh? Or why not the largest tribe in terms of population? Why not Ephraim? No, it's going to be Benjamin because Judah took responsibility for Benjamin in the book of Genesis. So that was in the merit of Judah taking the responsibility for Benjamin and being willing to be his substitute, God always puts Judah and Benjamin together. 
So for the sake of Judah, because God's faithfulness to his word, God's faithful promises, it doesn't matter how many generations there are in between the promises of God. To God, there's no space in time. If God promised you one year and it's 50 years later, it's the same as if that promise came to you days ago. Can you understand this, saints? And so we see this tremendous loss. Now, I want you to understand something. This tremendous loss did not mean that the ones that are going to reign on David's throne, though their kingdom has been shrunk in size to 20% of what it should be. If you notice... There is a continuity and a pattern throughout the Davidic dynasty that is consistent. And that is when the sons of David, the descendants of King David, walk in the ways of King David, and they walk with the heart of King David, then everything God promised Solomon happens to those kings. And the words that are used in the biblical language are, they had honor and riches in abundance. Are you following me? So if you follow the pattern, Rehoboam was sinned who lost everything because he refused to receive the counsel of those who sat on Solomon's in uh, Solomon's advisory, those that were advising King Solomon, when Jeroboam initially came with the tribes of Israel and said, your father scourged us with, with, uh, with whips. Ease somewhat of the burden that your father laid upon us, and we will be your servants forever. And he consulted with the wise men, men of old, Representing, representing the wisdom of God, representing those men who consulted with King Solomon and were Solomon's advisors in the days of Solomon's glory. How many of you would like to have an advisor that sat on the committee advising Solomon for the wisdom of God in Solomon's glory days? Wouldn't you say that's awesome? They didn't consult with philosophy or vain deceit. They were speaking about the wisdom of God's word. And they were speaking about the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the prosperity that comes from the word of God when we walk in his ways and keep his commandments. Are you with me, saints? Do you understand what the text is teaching? And so Rehoboam consulted with the old men and the old men the zeken, zeken meaning not just old in age, but wise. They said, go and return to them and say to them that I will ease your burden and they will be your servants forever. But then the colleagues of Rehoboam said, you're Rehoboam, you do not need to do that. Tell them that even as my father whipped you with whips, 
I'm going to whip you with scorpions. And that my little finger is going to be thicker than my father's hand. And the people rebelled. And in one day, in one bad decision that is not from God, Rehoboam lost everything. And from that point, Israel was split. Two kingdoms, which was never God's will. Two kingdoms in one nation. Samaria being the capital of Israel and the ten tribes of the north. And Judah being the, the southern kingdom and Jerusalem being the capital of Judah. Now I want you to know something. I want to show you a pattern. And this pattern is so powerful because in this pattern, you and I are going to see the spiritual significance of following God. Go with me just for a moment. And I want to show you, beloved saints, about in the merit of. I want to show you how even though there was only two tribes for those descendants of David, when they walked in the ways of God, God made it as if they were as successful as if they had the entire 12 tribes under them. Do you understand? God made it with the same influence to the nations that they should have had had the 12 tribes remained, though they were at loss in 80%. Hello, somebody. I'm speaking to somebody here. Though they were at loss at 80%, they were operating under a 20% population, a 20% influence, a 20% the kingdom had shrunk. But God was able to give the same influence. The same influence, the same riches, the same honor, and the same abundance to the kings who walked in the ways of King David. So that the 20% was as if it was 100%. I'm speaking to someone tonight. Somebody ought to turn to their neighbor and say, tonight I'm about to receive a nothing is missing anointing. Come on, tonight I'm about to receive a nothing is missing anointing. Touch your neighbor and say, supernatural solutions. Come on, supernatural solutions. Hallelujah, you don't need to go to the world for your solutions. You just go to the word of God. I'm going to give you some background on in the merit of, all right? 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 34 says, For I will defend this city for my servant David's sake. This is completely out of context. What, what, what's going on here in, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 34? In 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 34, the entire land of Judah was surrounded by Sennacherib, 
king of Assyria. And did you know that Assyria had already taken, this is later in Israel's history, the, the um, Sennacherib's army had already taken the entire northern kingdom captive along with all the nations surrounding Judah. But there was a king on David's throne who walked in the ways of his father, David. Hello, somebody. I said, he walked in the ways of his father, David. Let me read you from 2 Chronicles 29 so we know what we're talking about here. So you have the scriptural reference. The Bible says Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old. He re reigned 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem. Verse 2, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And in all that David his father had done. Walking in the ways of David released the promises God gave to David that were manifested in Solomon. So what happens? The city is surrounded. But Hezekiah is walking with God. His heart is perfect before God. Turn to your neighbor and say, my biggest, my greatest concern on this earth should not be anything of this world. My greatest concern in this earth should be, is my heart perfect before God? Come on, is my heart perfect before God? Somebody ought to say, when my heart is perfect before God, I receive an anointing with nothing missing. I said, with nothing missing. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Now what had happened to King Hezekiah is all the nations got wiped out around Israel because of Sennacherib. He not only took the northern kingdom of Israel, took Jeroboam's descendants, and not only took those who walked in the ways of Jeroboam after Jehu, it was no longer Jeroboam's descendants, but they all walked in the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. They all sinned. Every single one of the kings of the uh, apostate throne, they all sinned against God. Every single one of them. None of them walked in the ways of God. Only David's descendants. Hello. So they went into captivity, and they were taken, and all the nations around, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, all of the area of Tyre and Sidon, which is southern Lebanon today in those territories, Syria, everything. It was all taken over by Sennacherib. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And the Bible tells us, if we look at the narrative, what did God promise Solomon on the night that Solomon's, Solomon went to Gibeah and he had the dream? He said, because you asked for this thing, I'm going to give you what you did not ask for. I'm going to give you honor and riches in abundance like no king before you has ever had. That was a blessing in the merit of David 
for his descendant. Now watch this. If you notice, the Bible tells us, verse 27 of 2 Chronicles 32, Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor. Wow. Because he's walking in the ways of God. He just accessed the blessing of Solomon on his life. Are you hearing this? Though he only has still two tribes, it never increased. It always stayed at the 20% level. But yet his influence and his economic worth is as if he has 10 tribes, 12 tribes. Are you hearing this? Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing is missing anointing. So when Sennacherib surrounded the city of Jerusalem, Isaiah the prophet gave a word and said, no arrow is going to even fly into this city and God's going to defend this city for my servant David's sake. And the merit of David. Hallelujah. Zahut laid up for their descendants when they're walking in the ways of God. Somebody should shout the victory. And what happened was when the city was surrounded by over 180,000 troops of Sennacherib's army, while Hezekiah was sleeping and all of Jerusalem was sleeping, the Lord sent an angel and wiped out as a, a, a Sennacherib's army. So do you know what happened? What was ordained for Solomon? You see, what was ordained for Solomon is that everyone would see the Lord in his kingdom and other nations would come and bring him gifts. The queen of Sheba came and brought him gifts. Other kings from other nations came and brought him gifts. But now for Hezekiah, even Babylonians, even kings from other countries are coming and bringing Hezekiah gifts. Hallelujah. So the same level of influence that he would have had with 12 tribes. I said the same level of influence that he would have had with 12 tribes, though he only has two tribes, he's operating on 20%. Somebody ought to say, nothing is missing. Shout the victory, saints. Hallelujah. Same thing. Let's go to Jehoshaphat, shall we? Let's go to Jehoshaphat. Oh, hallelujah. The influence God gave to Hezekiah, the riches God gave to Hezekiah, the wealth God gave to Hezekiah, the other nations that came and heard the word and saw God lifted up and magnified. That's what he wanted to do with the kings of the Davidic dynasty. Are you hearing this? Glory to God. Watch this. Let's go back. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not reading history. I'm reading prophetic retrospect. Come on. I'm not reading history. I'm reading prophetic retrospect. Are you hearing this tonight? Hallelujah. We're going to 2 Chronicles. 
And we are going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Watch this. Watch the language. The Bible says, Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead. 2 Chronicles 17, 1. And he strengthened himself against Israel. What does that mean? That means that there was a tremendous rift between the north and the south. And there was a constant threat of civil war. And verse 2, and he placed forces in the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Azza his father had taken. Now watch this. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, watch this, because he walked in the first ways of David his father. Hallelujah. And sought unto the Lord and not unto Balaam. Did you see that, saints? Somebody ought to say in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, tonight I receive that anointing. Now watch this. He walked in the first ways of David, his father. This means that he was completely sensitive about anything in his heart that was going to displease God. He never let a thought rise that was displeasing to God. He never let a word come out of his mouth that was displeasing to God. What are the ways of David, his father? David's whole life was based on prayer and based on an interior life with God. It was all based on not a word coming out of my mouth that's going to displease God. You say, Dr. Corral, come on now. Isn't that a little far-fetched? This is what the Bible says in Psalm 39. Now, I know there are a lot of folks who say you can't, you know, God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament, which is total heresy. Because he's the same God. Hello. And for those who say the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, it's just Marcionism, which was an early church heresy resurrected. So we need to know the word of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hello. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're looking at Psalm 39 as an example because tonight is not, is not a study on the ways of David. It's a study on nothing is missing anointing. We're seeing the Bible says that David said, I will take heed unto my ways. That I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. While the wicked is before me. How many of you know it's not easy to keep your mouth with a bridle when the wicked is before you? How many of you know that's the time you want to say a thing or two? But touch your neighbor and say, don't mess up your miracle. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Come on. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Are you hearing this, saints? All right, so he walked in the first ways of David, his father. Going back, let's look and see. He walked in the first ways. Okay, that's great. But does, is there any evidence 
that he had equivalent to what Solomon had. Is there any evidence that that anointing that was on Solomon as the son of David, is there any evidence like Hezekiah who had riches and honor in abundance? That's what Solomon had. Are you hearing this? He had influence. The nations came. Did it really happen to all the descendants that walked in the ways of David and those that didn't, didn't get it? Are you with me? They cut off their own blessing. Watch this. Verse 4, but he sought to the Lord God of his father. Who does he mean? Not Azza to David. And he walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And all Judah brought Jehoshaphat presents. And he had riches and honor in abundance. Somebody ought to say that's the anointing of David's seed. Come on. That's the Zahut laid up for the descendants of King David. The light of Hanukkah is the light of Jesus. The light that shines in the darkness. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, the people that sat in darkness have seen a great light. Beloved, he leads the blind by a way they know not. And God has promised, I will make the darkness light before you. This is the light that comes from God's word. If you are passing through your Red Sea tonight, if you are in a place of perilous waters and perilous times, this is the time that the Lord has promised in his word that he would be a light shining for you in the darkness. Look and see what God did for the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they came to the Red Sea. The pillar of the cloud became a light by night to these, just as that light is shining on you right now. You see, when you look outside and it's nighttime, you see the moon shining in the, right in the sky that's God's promise to you, that you will rise. You see, every day the moon rises, you are going to rise in your dark hour. You are going to rise out of the place that you don't understand right now. And so many don't understand what really is the meaning of Hanukkah. When John was on the island of Patmos, the darkest time of his life besides the cross, he was there for the sake of the word of God, the moment he began to behold Jesus, he saw seven golden candlesticks, a seven-branched, six-branched menorah, and in the shamash lamp in the middle was Jesus. And the Bible says that the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. I want you to understand the secret of seven just represents the last days. But I want you to understand that that menorah represents victory. It represents victory over the beast. It represents victory over Antichrist. 
It represents victory over all the spirits in the world that are operating today. And that victory is yours. I'm going to pray it right now. Someone's business is in trouble. And God is telling me, as you seek God and don't seek man, don't look to man, don't look to anything man is going to do, but follow God's word. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. God is going to open up the way for your business. God is also telling me today that there is a family that keeps bickering and they keep arguing and there's so much strife and your heart is breaking because you're trying to make members of your family to see the light. But God is telling me to tell you, this is the season that Jesus is bringing the light to your family and there's going to be no more strife in that family. The Lord is healing that family today. Hallelujah. The Lord is saying that there are many of you that have been standing on God's word and that light is shining in the darkness. Your loved ones are going to see the light. The Bible tells us, hallelujah, upon them that sit in darkness, upon them the light has shined. That's the light of the gospel. And right now I want to pray for you no matter what you are going through. This is a time of divine turnaround. Do you realize that in the book of Esther, we also see Hanukkah even in the midst of a feast that celebrates Purim? Yes. In Esther chapter 8 verse 16, the Bible says the Jews had light, honor, and gladness. And many people of the land became Jews. Do you know why they became Jews? Because the fear of Mordecai and Esther was upon them. This was a great miracle because the light in the book of Esther is the light of God's word that God can turn any situation around. God can turn your situation around right now. I don't care how impossible it is. We serve a God of the impossible. We have been called to walk in the impossible. Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible to you. So we're rejoicing right now. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you can do that right now. Say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the light of my life. Be my personal savior. You are my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? I ask you right now, come into my heart. Cleanse me from sin. I want to walk in the light as you are in the light. And I pray that your blood will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If you said that prayer, prayer warriors are standing by. And I want you to know you have been touched by the hand of heaven at this moment, you have become born again. How blessed we are to have you in the family. You are so precious to Jesus. Now, beloved saints, we are going to go to uh, our announcer. He is going to tell you all about Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, which is our missions, projects all over the world. If God lays it on your heart to be part of bringing the love and the light of Jesus to the missions, to orphans, to children, everywhere throughout the globe, you can be part of our Hesed program. We're going to turn it now to our announcer, and we'll see you very soon. <laughs> 